We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today is Monday. Jeff Erickson and Chris Liss here. Our podcast, as always, is sponsored by Yahoo DFS. Thank you for your sponsorship, guys. And uh, we're talking a lot of the Yahooligans on this podcast during the course of the season as well. Uh, that'll be on the Wednesday shows. But today it's Liss and I, and uh, it's kind of a talking yang, but it's also just straight up football, too. Uh, Chris, how are you? How, how, how's your draft weekend? Uh, I'm good. Things are good. Um, I uh, feel a lot better today than I did. In- my last work day on Thursday where I went out, it was after I went out with the Yahoo hooligans ah. and hooligans is the operative operative word. I was super hungover on Thursday morning. I feel like a million, even though I'm tired today, I feel like a million bucks compared to doing the radio show and podcast last week. So, uh, you know, I, I hope, I just hope that Brad Evans and Andy Barron's and Liz Loza, uh, were hurting as much as I was. And think about what they've done. Absolutely. Yes. Think about leading it. you down that primrose path, you know, Poor defenseless list. 
but uh, absolutely. absolutely taking advantage of you, not in that sort of way, but in a just a hey naive fantasy football analyst sort of way. Yeah, it's not code for anything. No. A lot of news in the NFL since the conclusion of our uh, XM broadcast earlier today, starting with Antonio Brown. He lost his grievance on the helmet. He will have to wear one. No, he will have to wear one of the approved ones. And the threat of him not playing football again turned out to be an empty one. He said he's going to rejoin the team. He might try to file a a protest on the grievance, uh, appeal on the grievance, but the odds of him winning it are pretty slim. And he's, it seems even unlikely he's going to do that. So, at least we don't have to handicap the likelihood of a retire early. So we don't go down the Calvin Johnson path or anything like that. Nah, there's almost no chance he's going to retire over this helmet grievance. I mean, you know, he was, he's a Steeler for a long time. I know he wanted to wear a Steelers helmet uh, with the Raiders uniform and they said no to that, but he, uh, no, he was never going to retire over that. And he, um, I, you know, I still have him below uh, Tyreek Hill because of the foot injury is keeping him away from the team and not, he's not really able to practice with Derek Carr and get used to a new system and a new team. But I still have him in the top 10 among receivers and I I still think he'll be a a massive target. Yeah. He'll get massive amounts of targets. Yeah. And you know, he has to get used to getting underthrown instead of overthrown. So that's a big adjustment. Yeah, somewhat. I mean, did Ben overthrow? Is that- uh, there was a couple times where he got overthrown by uh, Roethlisberger that seemed like that was kind of triggering to him last year, and I was just using it as a cheap joke. So there yeah. you go. Right. Uh, so there. You go. But you know, so the foot still is an issue, though. He cooked his foot uh, in a frostbite sort of way, uh, and you know, he, he's still I don't think out. Cooked is the right. I don't think it's the right. Yeah, freezer burn. You know, that's, that's what I was going yeah. for there. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, you know, it, it is enough to move him down a couple notches just cause he's not, not there. Yeah. I'm just happy he used his foot. He tested it out with his foot. Right. Uh, that was good of him. Uh, and then one thing is, so this is one thing I tweeted out on Wednesday, Wednesday last week, uh, when there was a lot more details being revealed about this, you know, I was wondering, should we be concerned that I need the cryotherapy? And I guess the answer is straight up. No, I got a lot of people came back at me there, uh, and saying no, it's pretty normal. It's like. A nice bath on cryotherapy, Jeff. You're like those people who like st- deter people from getting the treatment they need. No, I just didn't know anything about it. It was a lack Ooh, of. Do we, is there something wrong with him that he need to get the cryotherapy? Should we be concerned? Yeah, I just didn't know anything about it, and it was immediate pushback, saying not even pushback, but just information. I was learning uh, that what it's ice bath on steroids, basically stay healthy longer and strengthen it. What's the what's the point of it? Cryotherapy. Yeah, it's to, it's basically an ice bath on steroids. It helps the body recover quicker. Okay. So but recover from what? It was the off season. Uh, well, maybe he was working out. Maybe he had a workout. And I think that, and not just maybe, I'm sure that's what happened, you know, just, and that's what he was recovering from. So n- nice of you to shame me into thinking I'm shaming, but I was just trying to learn. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so that, that in and of itself isn't a problem, but he's still not practicing, but good news. He will return to the team. Uh, there's no, anything residual there. Dak Prescott got as working on a contract and you know, it's interesting. We spent all this time with Zeke and Dak's in camp, obviously, but I think one of the things that's holding up Zeke is they want to get Dak, you know, signed up to a long-term deal before they deal with the running back. At least I, I that's one of my guesses. He turned down an offer. Apparently they include uh, included 30 million per year, but he's seeking 40 million per year. According to Jane Slater, the NFL network. 
Yeah. I don't really know the scale of NFL contracts like right. baseball. I know a little better, but even now baseball, I'm not sure. And the NFL contracts are so it all, it all depends on how much is guaranteed right. and signing bonus and all that stuff. So I have no idea like what, what's what in terms of what's a good deal and what's not a good deal. And I mean, Prescott's a good player. I think he's probably like an above average quarterback, but not by much. You know, like if you look at the average QB in the NFL, he's like the 13th best or something. And I don't, I don't know what that's worth these days. It seems like 30, 30 mil is a lot for being like the 13th best at your position or the 15th best or whatever he is. But um, apparently he doesn't agree. Yeah. And I, and yeah, that you're, you're really right about NFL contracts, whether, you know, how much of it's allocated towards signing bonus, how much of it's guaranteed when it's paying, when it's guaranteed, all that stuff. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, requires a little bit of digging. And honestly, I, I don't feel like playing contract ball, uh, probably should do a little bit more of that because it's becoming increasingly relevant in our world. Yeah, it is. I mean, you got to analyze like legal situations, domestic abuse cases. Yeah. You got to have, you know, you got to be familiar with like what the players association will, the players union will do. Like in the case of a guy like Tyree kill and you, you know, we're just, we're speculating all these different fronts uh, and the contract is obviously a big one of them. My, my sense is they signed Dak and Zeke. Jerry Jones is too old now and too rich. I, I think they just want to, try to win a super bowl and they've got a team that can contend. I mean, they were a good team last year. They lost to the Rams, but you know, it wasn't like if, if they're a little bit better next year, you know, this year, if, if Dak improves a tiny bit with Cooper for the full season, if Michael Gallup takes a, a little bit of a step in year two, I think this team can contend. So I, I don't think they want to screw around. They're just going to figure out how to sign both of them and, and do it. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work, but I feel way more confident about Zeke than I do about Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I do too. I do too. We've, we've talked about it before, but it, it bears, I think it's just the, the reliance upon a player is, is so much stronger. At least we think it is with uh, the Cowboys and Elliot than it is with Gordon and the uh, chargers. Uh, you know, there's, I, I've seen a lot of talk about trying to talk up uh, Zeke's replacement this weekend. Oh, he can handle a full-time load, but I think that's just talk. I mean, it might not be, you know, I mean, James Conner was pretty good when Lev Bell held out and maybe Tony Pollard is legit. It's yeah. hard to say, but yeah, as a fourth round pick, you never know. I mean, I think David Johnson was a fourth round pick. Camaro was like a third round pick. You know, a lot of these guys that come out of college are really good. And it's just that Zeke is a top five NFL back in my opinion. And it's, you're really gambling to see what you get. He could, you know, Pollard could be that, but chances are he's not. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's at least that's the way I, I think that's most likely. Wait, Paul, Paul ran a four three forty at his pro day. He's super fast. He's much faster than uh, Zeke, but he's six feet two oh nine. He's a little bit of the carry on Johnson build, tall and and slight. You know, he, he doesn't. He's not one of those guys like Zeke who's more compact and powerful. So it's not. You know, he may be a useful back, but doesn't seem like. I guess Chris Johnson had that same build. Remember Chris Johnson who had the record for yards from scrimmage. Um, so maybe, you know, type like this can, can do well. His, his 40 time at the combine was 4.52 though. So nothing special, probably not even as good as Zeke's. Yeah. So he's, you know, I don't know. It's hard to tell just by specs, the good reports on him at camp. I don't know how much of that is just the beat writers, you know, kissing ass and helping the Cowboys negotiating stance, you know, Oh no, we've got a really good guy anyway. So we don't need you. (laughs) 
not sure that's going to be believable. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I want to go back to more quarterback news. <coughs> we talked about Dak. Uh, Kyler Murray is going to play more than one drive uh, in the upcoming preseason game. This one's going to be against the Raiders. Uh, you know, it, the early returns were meh on that, that first preseason game, but it's first preseason game. Uh, it was a lot of short passes, six to seven for 44 yards. I mean, that the completion rate's good. That's a Bradford-like-esque in, ter- in terms of yardage production, and we already the Cardinals already saw that. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Murray's ceiling is so high that you got to take him in the top ten. But right, we just don't know how it's all going to mesh, especially early on. And so there's there's kind of a lower floor than there's still a floor because the running will give him a floor, but it may be kind of ugly, like you know, seventy two rushing yards and a rushing touchdown and one hundred forty passing yards and two picks. You know, early on it could be, or he could be like Russell Wilson and just be a good, you know, a competent passer right away. But remember Wilson came into a situation with a great defense and a really good running game. It's peak Marshawn Lynch and great defense. And so he was a caretaker for a lot of his first couple of years. He was great at it, but it wasn't like Arizona where, you know, Murray's going to have to be running for his life and making plays all the time. That's what, that's what we think at least. Yeah. Um, and he is, and he'll be good at running for his life. You know, as far as that goes, I think he is a very smart runner. Uh, Just being able to do that on the fly with NFL athletes coming at you is maybe a different story. So we'll see uh, how well he holds up with that. Uh, One more quarterback item. Andrew Luck's not going to practice all this week uh, with the calf injury. means he he won't play in the second preseason game. It's it's not officially announced, but I'd be stunned if he does play. Uh, He's had three practices since suffering that calf injury way back in April. He's had three MRIs since then. We talked about this on the XM show, too, but for those that didn't get a chance to listen, you've moved down T.Y. Hilton as a result of this, not just Luck. Yeah, Hilton's the, the key because Luck, you're probably getting him in the sixth or seventh before, and now it'd be like the ninth, tenth maybe, if nobody just ignores the injury. And, yeah, I mean, I guess that matters, and you'll get him for cheaper, and you're taking a little bit of a risk if you take him in the seventh or eighth, but it's a more minor risk. The guy that you're taking in the early third, late second is Hilton, and if he's severely compromised because Jacoby Brissett's the QB for some time, that really hurts. That's a major loss. So the Hilton's the guy you got to worry about. Luck is just a quarterback, so it's not as big a deal. In a QB flex league, it is a big deal, and then you got to really think twice before taking Luck over. Even a guy like Dalton or Stafford, who, you know, there's not much ceiling in a one QB league for those guys, but in a two QB league, you, you got to love their floor. That's right. That's right. And so, uh, you know, that's, it, it really does hurt the player's value a little bit there. Before we move on to other positions, a couple other in, in notes we'll talk about before we get on to our better than most, worse than most. That's going to be the theme of today's pod. Uh, a quick note from our friends at Yahoo. It's officially August, which means football season is around the corner. And Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get on the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough starter sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free Best Ball Leagues gives you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season? 
You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. Okay, Chris, uh, so we talked a little bit about quarterback news, and we talked a little Antonio Brown. A couple other guys' injury news. Uh, you know, Mari Cooper, slightly under the radar, has been dealing with a heel injury. He uh, didn't practice uh, today. He's missed six consecutive practices with this injury. Yeah, it's kind of annoying because we don't we don't really know the seriousness of these various injuries. Like maybe right. Antonio Brown's is nothing, and we you know moved him down for no reason. Maybe Amari Cooper's the guy with the injury. Maybe Luck's injury is serious. Maybe it's nothing. You know, Julio Jones had missed time. He seems to always miss time with various preseason ailments, and it's no big deal. But it's just we're just kind of guessing. You know, right. just based on like how much publicity the injury gets, we sort of you know talk about it more and get concerned about it more. Who the hell knows? I mean, I think it should be fine, but sometimes they don't, you know, people don't always really understand the nature of the injury. It's, I remember Victor Cruz a couple of years ago with the Giants had a seemingly minor calf injury in the preseason. It was coming off a yeah. major patella tendon tear, but he had a minor calf injury, and that was the end of his career, basically. It was the, he was out the whole year, and then he never really came back. So, you know, I, obviously that's like not likely for Cooper, but it's, it's, totally random sometimes some of these injuries right and that that you know just even the andrew luck that we just talked about oh had a little calf he's gonna sit out mini camp no problem right no big deal no big deal now it's two weeks in uh if bill you know all we need is i think someone made the joke uh you know all we need is jim mercy to guarantee he's gonna start in week one and i and then we can just tear up that draft eh? but in, in a way it affects everybody else with cooper it just affects him oh i guess it affects dak too. dak yeah, it affects Dak. I mean, it's it was Dak was night and day when Cooper came over. I mean, think about it. You could be facing a Cowboys team that doesn't have Cooper or Zeke in Week One. If you or you know Dak, that, maybe Dak is like, screw this. Yeah, Couldn't I mean, agree on terms. Cooper's not here. I'm not going to do myself any negotiating favors by playing without Cooper. You know, like his the reason he's no, even, but it's a, they got Jason Witten. It's fine. They'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Witten's carcass is back on the field. That was weird. People, no one liked Witten as an announcer, and then he comes back and plays again. I mean, people were hoping Romo would come back and play. The problem was Romo was actually a good announcer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he. That's so funny. It's funny how that's that one played out. Uh, I didn't even think about that. Um, Dallas in Week One, uh, they get uh, the your Giants in Week One. Gi- stream the Giants defense. There's your, there you go. Well, you the Giants D is pretty weak. Yeah, it is. It is. Although, yeah, uh, and it's in, it's at Dallas too. Uh, bet the under, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if that's how it's going to play out. But we got a lot of time still. But uh, another uh, injury uh, to a wide receiver, D.D. West, Westbrook, uh, didn't practice again Monday. Uh, missed the preseason opener. Didn't practice over the weekend. He's got a groin injury. Marquise Lee not looking good for Week One. Uh, week One could be Chark Week. Uh, D.J. Chark uh, could be. Uh, Chris Conley, or it could be none of the above. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to get too deep into that. We'll see. Right. See what happens. I'm not Marquise Lee is, I mean, you can't really draft with You know, when you draft an injured player, there better be some upside when right. he comes back. Right. That's right. Uh, so, and we, yeah, I, I do think uh, Westbrook has upside. I think Chark has an upside. 
Uh, Lee was a guy you were on two years ago, or was it even last year, maybe? But no, I had him. No, I wasn't really on. I had him. He was the number right. one receiver in the stake league. But a torn ACL just finished. I just, drafted Doug Baldwin, and who then got hurt, and then was never the same, and then retired. Marquise Lee tore his ACL, and Albert Wilson, who was actually doing well, and then tore his ACL. So the, my three top receivers in the stake league last year, and not coincidentally, I was I actually was buying stakes. I also had Fournette in that league, so it was a it was a tough. It was a tough league for me last year. Yeah, it, it sure was. We got Somehow stake league. Josh Ross still was the double buyer though. Somehow I didn't take last. Yes. Profiles encourage right there. Yes. Uh, so you'll, you'll, uh, we, you'll get a chance to redeem yourself next Tuesday. Uh, at uh, the 20th, we have the stake league auction. So looking forward to that. Uh, let's talk one more news note before we start getting into better than most, worse than most. Duke Johnson got traded to the uh, Houston Texans. He, he's, Past his physical, he was dealing with a hamstring in training camp with the Browns. Uh, it's a, I think it's a for a fourth round pick with the upside of getting a third round pick. Could supplant Lamar Miller. Uh, won't won't play in the preseason game this weekend, but who cares? I'm, I'm more I'm not really concerned that much about that. But I like him in Houston. You like, and I, I thought there's a risk of overvaluing him because he's one of those causes on Twitter, uh, and I've been guilty of that in the past. But you, you're you're kind of steering into him. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the most boring parts about fantasy football when a move happens and then everybody analyzes it. Cause it's the only move really happening. Right. And then it's obvious. Like it's, it's like, obviously this dude is going to play more cause he's going to get the pass catching duties for tech, the Texans and Lamar Miller's not very good. So maybe Duke Johnson will get some more early down work or split that with him too. Probably not immediately, but before too long. So of course there's upside. Duke Johnson's like five, nine two ten. He's basically the same size as I think Mark Ingram was five, nine two fifteen. You know, I mean, Mark Ingram's considered like a bruising goal line type and Duke Johnson's pigeonhole is a third down back. It's like five pounds of difference between them. So, um, it's, it's not obvious that Duke Johnson must be the Tariq Cohen who's five, eight, one ninety. You know I mean? Right. He maybe could handle some early down work. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that handle how that plays out. Uh, but I, you know, I, I will worry a little bit about the draft cost a little bit. That he is going to get a little bit more expensive in PPR leagues. He definitely will. Uh, still might be worth it. Spending, especially if you go heavy wide receiver early, he's the type of guy I'm going to have in a lot of places. If I don't, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays. But uh, I, I think that there's a chance that uh, I'm going to get. I don't have him yet. I, I could get three to four shares of him because of this. So he definitely has a better opportunity. Worst team, worst scheme, I think. But not really, though. I mean, worst off, worst offensive line, maybe. Right? Don't you? Think? I don't know. Houston, Cleveland's offensive line lost some guys too. That's but true. I, I just, it just, they're both good offenses, right? I mean, they're mm-hmm. two good offenses, and one of them. Lamar Miller is the only thing standing in his way. So this is this is very good. As him. opposed to Nick Chubb, who's Nick Chubb, and eventually Kareem Hunt, right? That's a good point. Okay. So uh, that kind of covers our news and notes for today. A quick note about fantasy football evolution before we start our better than most, worse than most. Fantasy football evolution is back for 2019 and better than ever. You spoke and we listened. We've added mock drafting, moved the championship final to NFL week 16, and made setting up a private competition a snap. Join us and play the game you love as it was meant to be played. 
Fantasy FFE's unique three-stage format delivers the best season-long fantasy football without the never-ending drafts or late-season absentee owner and waiver-wire antics that can develop in traditional leagues. Play as an individual or be the commissioner of your own, uh, own private league. You'll get 16 weeks of action for just $25. You could be the next FFE $25,000 champion. Maximize your chances by owning multiple teams. Optional auto-draft and lineup assist can help you manage them with ease. It's all here. What are you waiting for? Register now at FantasyFootballEvolution.com and join the evolution. Availability varies by states. Visit FantasyFootballEvolution.com for details. You and I both played Fantasy Football Evolution last year. Uh, Had one of their guys on our show on XM as as well. Uh, That's an interesting uh, format there. It was one where... It really maximized quarterbacks last year. I remember you and I both got like four of them. Yeah, but neither of us won. We were, I was doing okay. For, I mean, it was easy to beat the AI for like the first yeah. eight weeks or whatever, but then somehow I didn't rank that highly later in the year. Well, yeah, I got it through like a, one round of the playoffs, uh, and then the next week, week I had zero tight ends, and that was kind of a bummer. Because so, <laughs> yeah. I think you're only allowed to draft two tight ends, and one of them was Tyler Eifert. You know, shame on me, and I forget who the other injured one was, but – all of a sudden, I had nothing, and so maybe it's like Greg Olson, which also shame on me, I suppose. But uh, any rate, let's talk about our theme for today's podcast: better than most, worse than most. Guys that you like better than most, Chris. Guys you dislike more than most. Uh, and let's start off with the better than because you're a positive, you know, shiny, happy person. Uh, let's start off on that side first. Some of the guys that you happen to have well above the crowd. Maybe not the outlier, but you're definitely you're going to get them a lot because you're ahead of where they're going, ahead of where uh, our contemporaries have ranked them in the industry. Uh, I noticed I didn't say peer because you know you're peerless. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you, Jeff. I I was gonna maybe if I named if I had a kid a boy I would have named him Peer, and that way he really would be there. Peerless. You go. <laughs> yeah. I should have named. Don't Patrick. have a daughter named Bruce. Hope. Or Ruth, <laughs> I think Ruth would have been better. Come on, Ruthless. I really should have done that. Like it's, it's it sounds cruel, but like to be named Ruthless is a good. I mean, that's badass, right? Your name is Ruthless. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, if I had a boy named Pierre or Richard, you maybe, should start calling Sasha Liss Ruthless because she's she's tough anyhow, right? She is ruthless. She is a ruthless, ruthless person. Yeah. I gave her like three bites of chocolate ice cream today when I took her to ice cream. I had to basically beg to get one bite of the mint chip. So it was not, uh, it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a fair deal when you're dealing with Ruth, Sasha, Ruth, Sasha quotes, ruthless. No, definitely uh, not. Learned behavior. Well, my friend learned behavior. So That's all I'm going to say. Her mom really is monster. It is true. It is yeah, true. Her mom. Again, it's her mom. All right. You love Sony Michelle. Uh, I don't love Sony Michelle. You are the biggest Sony Michelle fan out there. Made that up. Just made that up a second before the podcast. <laughs> when you told me to pick some guys I liked, I was considering moving him up because two reasons. One reason is that he's pretty good, you know, and, and he was, uh, you know, in 13 games, he had six touchdowns, 931 yards, but the negative was he only caught seven passes, but apparently he's been catching everything Brady's thrown his way in the preseason. So it makes sense because the Patriots took, took him with a 31st overall pick and no smart person believes in that running backs don't matter BS. I mean, if you're saying that, like you're just trying to, make the extreme stance when Bill Belichick's taking a running back who's not even their primary pass catching running back in the first round, I'm not saying Belichick is always right or knows everything, but you're appealing maybe, to authority right here, yeah, right yeah. now. 
Yeah. Uh, but maybe, maybe consider that your super woke, uh, super woke sabermetric take might be a little, uh, signally and not, not exactly, you know, true to what's causing teams to win in football games. Um, I think that, that running backs matter, especially when they can contribute in the passing game. And I don't think they would have taken a guy in the first round. They didn't eventually expect to contribute there. So they're giving them some, uh, work in the passing game in the preseason. Apparently he's been doing well. And I think he may, instead of getting, you know, I think I've projected for 17 catches this year, which is a you know big boost from last year. I think he may end up with like 27, 29 catches. And if that happens, that's going to be really valuable because remember they, they lost Gronk. They may not get Josh Gordon back and, you know, Chris Hogan's gone they, they basically have Edelman who's 33 and been concussed a hundred times and been hurt in other ways. Many times, uh, Nikhil Harry, who's a rookie who's been a little banged up this preseason. Mm-hmm. They don't have much. If Josh Gordon doesn't get reinstated or if he gets reinstated and then can't handle it again or whatever, there's just no depth there. So what they might do, and we talked about this with Tom Kessenick about the bears and keeping Cohen and Montgomery on the field together is just have a diverse, you know, just diversify the guys they have. Right. Burkhead and, and James white and Sony Michelle and split those guys out wide and use what they have. So I could see him having a, again, I don't think he's going to catch 50 passes, but he could approach 30. And if a guy who's the Patriots goal line back and early down workhorse starts to approach 30 catches, suddenly he's pushing up into like the top 15. Yeah. And you know, right now he's drafted as the 26th running back. I'm looking at the, uh, uh, the online championship ADP, at least from the month of August, so that kind of incorporates most of the news, recent news. He's the 26th running back being taken right now, uh, behind Chris Carson, behind Philip Lindsay, behind his own teammate James White. I, I give me him over all of those guys. Yeah, I mean the, the issue for him is the knee, right? I mean he's he had yeah. problems this year too, which is kind of annoying. It's like, come on, just get over it. But apparently it's still an issue, and and you know James White's going to catch 60 balls, but. Normally when there's a guy like Tariq Cohen there or James white, there's not a whole lot of room for the early down guy to get 30, 40 catches. But I think in Chicago and maybe new England, there might be right. because of the way they run things and the way the creative way they do things, you know, it, it would be like Belichick, it, you know, it would be to use a guy in a different capacity. We, we were talking about this with, with Tom Kessick on the air today too. Like in the NBA, like they don't have a center, two forwards and two guards. Sometimes there'll be like five forwards out there right. or a guard and four forwards or three forwards, a center and a guard or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, there's weird mixes in baseball. There's openers. There's, you mentioned the shift on defense. There's guys playing third base outfield second, but you know, guys with many more guys with multiple position eligibility in fantasy baseball there's ever been. And I think football is getting that direction too, where you have all these sort of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Are they running backs or receivers? Like they can, the Rams are handing off on the jet sweep to the, to their wide receivers now. And why, you know, and then you're lining up guys like Alvin Kamara out wide, Tariq Cohen out wide tight ends in the slot. You know, this is all just the versatility is there in a way that it, that it hasn't been. And I think that we sh- we shouldn't be so narrow to say, okay, well, if James White's there, there's no way Sony Michelle can catch 30 balls. I, I, I think that's right. Uh, I got him early in an NFC, NFC 25. I got him like in the fifth round. I'll try to, I'd, I'd like to get him again in a few more places before this runs out. I might be uh, plus wanting you a couple of times on our, in the auction league. We'll see. Uh, 
I'll go. I'll go another guy. This is this applies more to PPR and half point PPR leagues, but I like Tevin Coleman better than most. I I like the fit with the team. You know, the, Jarek McKinnon had another setback. That's probably going to boost Coleman's ADP. Maybe change it. Uh, and I like that you can even get Breida cheap later. And I and it doesn't bother me about the timeshare because in previous Shanahan offenses. It supported two running backs being productive, so I don't. That doesn't really scare me that there'll be another running back. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 scary factor is what if Breida becomes the main guy and Colin just becomes a change of pace guy. That that's a possibility, but I and I also think the uncertainty at wideout in San Francisco helps the running backs get him a few more passes too. Uh, big difference though is you know they they've got a legit awesome tight end that's also going to take a lot of those type of passes. Yeah, I really don't know how to read the Niners offense. I, I I don't know with Coleman. He's obviously very fast, and he's always averaged a good amount per carry. And in the passing game, he's been a little hit or miss. Doesn't been used that much. Devonta Freeman, even though he's a lot slower than Coleman, was the Falcons' preferred pass catching back. And even Edo Smith, I think, might have, you know, kind of fought him for some pass catches. I think last year. I got to look at Smith's numbers, but but that's also a I, different coordinator, different team. I mean. Yeah, but why? But Coleman may just not be the ideal pass catching guy. Let me look at Edo Smith's numbers. I know he put caught passes in college. Yeah, he had twenty seven receptions. Edo Smith mm-hmm. in a lot, you know, in a lot smaller workload than Coleman at thirty two. But you know, was like a regular all year. So for some reason, Coleman hasn't been that guy. McKinnon, who knows if he'll be ready for Week One at all coming off the ACL McKinnon never really produced that much in Minnesota. I just caught a lot of passes. Wasn't even that efficient. I don't know that they have a pass catcher. Breed is not great at pass catching either. He's just okay. They're not. It's weird for a coach that loves to throw to his backs. McKinnon, but all three of them can receive. None of them have become like super like premium pass. Anybody catching can guys. receive. I mean, anybody can, but receive. He, okay. Have received, but not like, they haven't necessarily had high volumes, but they also haven't been like, okay, well, you can't be in there on third down. You don't have mitt, you know, none of them have mitt. Well, they hands. did. I mean, Coleman was not in there on third down for the Falcons. I mean, it was basically Devonta Freeman was the, was, you know, if they ever changed up Coleman for Freeman, it was usually on early downs. Yeah. But when Freeman was healthy and his, you know, the peak, it was always Freeman was their third down guy. Maybe it was pass protection. Freeman was better. I don't know, but you never really see any of those guys. McKinnon caught a lot of passes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he was especially efficient with it. I think McKinnon was the guy that Shanahan targeted last year and really wanted to make into a 75 catch guy. Thought he could be that. Coleman, I don't know. I don't know if he can really do that. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, I, we'll see. I, I like him better than most. Uh, someone you like better than most. Mike Williams. We spent a little bit of time on this, maybe possibly already. Uh, but Bears repeating. You like him better than the crowd, which... It's interesting. It's almost a polarized crowd. There are some that scream that he's going too late in the fifth round, and others screaming he's going too early. Uh, it, it's it's really a, it, it's you either ha- you. There's a lot of people with strong takes on Mike Williams. He's not a eh, he's there sort of guy. Yeah, there've been a lot of Mike Williams in the NFL over the last five years, True. ten years. True. It's almost like they use two common names. Yeah, it's really weird how many many receivers named Mike Williams. But uh, I would say that that he's going to be a monster. He's going to get his 110 targets or so this year. And because I think it's time, he was a first round pick early for, you know, ninth overall pick or what was he? Maybe higher than that. Seventh overall pick. 
And last year he had 10 touchdowns on 66 targets. You give him 110 targets. I think he's a threat to lead the league in touchdowns. Uh, I project him for nine. I can see him getting 10. My leader is Devonte Adams with 11, but that's on 160 something targets and 30 red zone targets. If Williams gets those red zone looks, you know, gets, he had 14 red zone looks last year. If he were to get, and he caught seven of them for touchdowns. If he were to get 23 red zone looks or something, he could easily lead the league in, in touchdowns. And, you know, he's six, four, two twenty. Uh, he didn't really get time because he was hurt at the combine, but I think there's major, major upside. Keenan Allen's still there. Hunter Henry's kind of a problem if he stays healthy, cause he'll get some red zone looks too. But Mike Williams could be, you know, he could be like peak Brandon Marshall, like one of those giant receivers who makes plays and is a red zone monster. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's dig a little deeper for our last better than most. You like John Brown on the bills. I don't love him, but I, what I like is that you are the gonna, John Brown guy. Yeah. I just, for the first time ever mentioned his name, I have him at 40th, but I see some upside because he's the deep threat. I mean, Robert Foster could be, but I don't know how involved he'll be. And everybody's like raving about John Brown's route running. He had that it was a sickle cell thing or something. I can't remember. He had some issue mm-hmm. where it was impacting his ability to heal, but he stayed healthy last year, was productive last year for a lot of it. And I think they're going to throw deep to him and he's probably going to be the top target. If he's not the top target, he'll be like a Deshaun Jackson where he's getting 98 targets and, you know, for 950 yards and seven or eight touchdowns. But uh, yeah, I think that there's, you know, there's not like crazy upside for him. Cause I don't think he could get 140 targets, but if he gets hundred, 110 targets uh, with uh, Josh Allen having a big arm and almost feeling more comfortable throwing the deep ball than the, the touch stuff could have a nice year. It's freely available too. Uh, yep. so in August uh, ranked 56. He's wide receiver 56. I'm in the 39. NFFC. What's that? I'm 39. No. And I'm saying in the NFFC ADP, he's wide receiver. No, no, I said, but I have him 39, which is quite a bit higher. Yes, it is quite a bit. Uh, that translates into an ADP of 137 overall. Earliest you have to go is 109. Uh, so yeah, he is, he's great. I mean, you are investing in the bills passing offense and Josh Allen. He goes from Lamar Jackson to Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson looks good, by the way, so far this, you know, and granted everybody looks at good at this time of year, but there are some there there are varying degrees of that, and I've heard more ravier takes on Jackson than I have Allen. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like mostly noise. We'll see with these guys. Yeah. The second year they'll turn them loose. And, you know, Josh Allen was like the one of the highest scoring fantasy quarterbacks down the stretch. And we we shall see. I, I mean I'd take Lamar Jackson first because I think as huge as Josh Allen was as a runner, Lamar Jackson's floor as a runner is so high. Right. That, all he has to do is throw like 17 touchdown passes. He's going to be a top 12, top 15 QB. For sure. All right. So that's the, that's the sunshine before we get to the clouds. A little bit of a review or, or read from our friends at Autonew. Autonew Fantasy Football lets you build your fantasy football dynasty like a real GM. It's better fantasy football. Auction-based, deep rosters, and college player prospects. Stash the next rookie of the year while he is still tearing up Saturdays. Trade for superstars to make a championship push. Develop a team over multiple years. Play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Visit O-T-T-O-N-E-U dot com today. Auto new. All right, Chris. So we talked about the guys that you like better than most. Here are the guys you hate. No, that's what I hate. But you guys you like worse than most. Guys that you're you're just not going to get because of the price. 
Uh, let's start off with uh, Julian Edelman. You referred to him earlier, worrying about his health issues as a, as a primary part of that. Had a little bet on Twitter with Ted Bell today I saw about uh, his catches and targets. Explain, everybody, your reticence on him. No, no, my bet with Ted Bell was on carry on. Oh, you're right. You're right. That's right. He's, but he is a pro Edelman guy too. I know that. That's why he I had to the be two. a yeah. reflexively pro Edelman. It was Modica that drafted Truther. Edelman. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, Edelman's 33 has a long injury history, has many concussions and, you know, people are just saying, Oh, look, he's the only game in town. He'll get 150 targets. Look how good he was during the year. Well, first off, he rarely scores touchdowns. I doubt that'll change. He never makes a big play, so he's not going to get a ton of yards per target, meaning his yards is not going to be huge. He could get 100 catches if he stayed healthy and we're the only game in town. I think that's in play for sure. I just think he's not the safe guy because for him to stay healthy all year while taking another pounding at this age to me is, it's, you know, I don't know if it's unlikely, but it's certainly a big risk, a bigger risk than someone like Tyler Boyd or Chris Godwin or Jarvis Landry, who's basically Edelman, but 26 or 27 and without any injury or concussion history, Sterling Shepard to me is kind of like poor man's Edelman and quite a bit cheaper. So, um, I just, I just won't be taking him in the top 20 receivers and he's tends to go there. That's right. That's he does. So, uh, yeah, you won't be hearing his name very much. Uh, the guy we spent a lot of time on Tyler Lockett. I spent a lot of time on the show today. That is about talking about him historically efficient year last year not, and what your take on him is you know what's changed to make him make you think that he's going to get the volume to make up for that lack of efficiency this year yeah or not he'll be efficient this year it's just he won't be all-time historically right. efficient right and so let's say he gets 10 yards per target which is among the league leaders and last year only had 70 targets. Let's give him, I gave him 83, but let's just even be more generous and give him 90 targets. Okay. Well, he gets 90 targets at 10 pop, which is what I gave him 10.2, which is still incredibly good. Um, that's 900 yards. And how many TDs is he going to get? I gave him five. So he gets six. I mean, I think his ceiling is like 900 yards and seven touchdowns. That's his ceiling. And his floor is, you know, he gets 75 targets and at 10 yards a pop. It's 750 yards and gets three or four touchdowns. I mean, I think that's totally in play. Seven, 800 yards and three or four touchdowns, and he still makes some big plays, but he's basically Ted Ginn this year. And I do not want any part of that in the first seven or eight rounds. Yeah, and the the question I posed is, like, what if, like, the absence of Doug Baldwin might add more targets? But as you pointed out, Baldwin was already hurt a lot last year. He was absent he pl- quite a bit. He played a lot, but he wasn't himself, and he right. didn't get a ton of targets. And they just drafted um, DK Metcalf, and uh, Gary Jennings is looking good, and this, this guy John uh, Ursua. There's a bunch of guys there now, and I, I just don't really see if Lockett only got 70 targets when they needed him so badly. What's going to get him more than 90 this year with these new guys there? Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. It's just, it, it's really like. You can get Deshaun Jackson so much cheaper, and I just think Deshaun Jackson and Lockett are pretty much comps this year. Yeah, uh, I don't have any of either so far, but uh, I don't know if I would. I, you know, I, I'm not sure. Um, I was going to take issue with your uh, liking, uh, saying that I, I, you like Jarvis Landry better than most. I thought I liked him less than most. And then uh, Callaway got suspended, and I'm like, whatever, okay, ne- never mind. 
I might still get him in a few places uh, because that's just and, and Njoku is uh, Njoku is dealing with some health woes too. Yeah, Landry's still going to get his targets. Yeah, he's going to get his targets. So Beckham's like his best friend. Like they're going to, you know, it's just going to be like I don't know. I just think it's going to be good. I think Beckham's actually going to be good. Normally, you don't want a dominant, you know, target dominant receiver to arrive on the scene and you know basically take away targets from you, but. I think in this case, Jarvis Landry's better suited as a compliment. He just isn't meant to be the team's number one target. And I think as a slot guy with Beckham occupying a lot of attention, I think that's going to be perfect for him. Right. I think you're right about that. Guy that we've talked about plenty already um, that I like less than most, and I might be wrong about this, and it's self-hating and all that, but A.J. Green. I'm just not going to pay the price that it takes to get him. Uh, his floor in drafts this month with, with the, after the training camp injury was still 75. That's as, you know, and you, I just, that, that to me, I mean, that's like a seventh round pick. Uh, and maybe that's, that's, maybe that's the, you're, you're, you're gambling on upside, but I don't think you're missing just two games. I think you're missing like a minimum of two games and then uncertainty in week three or a snap count in week three. You're not going to be sure you're going to be able to start them then. You, I think the Bengals' offense is going to be tragic this year. I think their offensive line is just terrible. Uh, I, I think that they're going to struggle a lot. And he's also getting hurt a lot more. And he, I think he's slightly less effective, too. And I think that there there's, could be some degradation performance even when he's all the way back. Yeah, um, I could see it. You know, I was wary of him before he got hurt. Right. And I was already – I remember when, when I did the beat Chris list, I took Fournette – with the last pick of the third, I think AJ green went two picks before me and somebody asked me, were you hoping AJ green would fall to the last pick of the third round? And I was like, I thought about it as it was coming back to me, but I was like, I don't think so. I don't think I want that. And that was before right. he got hurt. So if you're already worried about him and then he actually gets hurt, it's not like the worries are going to go away on his foot or whatever other problems he has. Um, so I, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's just been, it's been a few years now since he's been completely healthy. Yeah. So at his current price, uh, you know, he's going like before Allen Robinson. I take Robinson ahead of him without much reservation. I, I, yeah, I have Robinson ahead of him, too. I take I take Robbie Anderson ahead of him. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at, at the range of wide receivers. There are some other guys I'm like, yeah, and nah, maybe probably not so much. I'd probably take Will Fuller ahead of him. I take Corey Davis ahead of him. I take Curtis Samuel ahead of him. Uh, I like him better than most. Uh, well, maybe not better than most. There's been a lot. He's been a buzzy guy. Uh, I, you would take Sterling Sterling Shepard versus AJ Green. Who would you take? Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard so. play week one. Yeah. Sterling Shepard is one of the most undervalued receivers on the board. And I, I don't. I'm not like. I'm not a homer with this. I don't. Really not care. at all. I loved. I loved Odell Beckham, and Shepard is just just a guy. They got him in the second round. He's competent. Runs good routes. Decent hands. Decently fast. Not explosive. He's just a guy. He's good. He's fine. Um, but he's going to get 120 targets. He's going to get maybe 130 targets. Golden Tate suspended four games. Corey Coleman's out for the year. Beckham's gone uh, there. He's going to get a lot of looks and that, that volume is something, you know I mean? It's just, he's going to get 900 plus yards and six touchdowns and 75 plus cat. I mean, he's just going to it's just, if, if, as long as he's healthy, he's going to do that. And I, I don't really see what the, why he's slipping so much. I know Eli sucks. Daniel Jones looked good in one drive in preseason, but they're bad, but they're not like, 
it's not one of those offenses like the Joe Flacco Ravens where it just can't even support a receiver. They can support a receiver. That's not going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of agree with you and I have them in a few places so far. So yeah, uh, I, I can, I'm, I'm behind I'll tell that. You one other thing. The giants offensive line might be above average this year. And for someone like Eli, that makes all the difference, you know, for someone like Russell Wilson, the line's better. The line's worse. Okay, fine. It's Russell Wilson. But with Eli, who's such a statue back there and needs conditions to be perfect to function at all, it makes a world of difference because he, he's just so bad under any sort of duress that if you take away the duress, he's still not a good quarterback, but you know, he's an NFL quarterback. It's not like he can't like zip a ball 20 yards down the field to somebody who's open. He just needs time to step into it. And I think the giants passing game, I think the giants will be like a seven and nine, six and 10 team could be five and 11, but it's mostly because the defense has been decimated and the offense is just okay. But that offense will, will have enough for Barkley. My prediction is Barkley, Shepard, Ingram, if he stays healthy. And I'm a little – Ingram's a guy I'm most dubious about. You really need Daniel Jones in there, though. What's that? You really need Daniel Jones in there. Eli accentuates every offensive line mediocrity. Well, that, yeah, but what I'm saying is the, is the offensive line is probably going to be decent. And that actually means Eli might be okay uh-huh. because he needs that. That that's, you know, in today's era to say a quarterback's good or bad or whatever, I mean, fine. There's some that really fit that description, but most of these guys that are just okay in the middle, they're just completely dependent on conditions like a running back would be mm-hmm. offensive lines. Good goal line carries running back does well. Offensive lines, bad running backs average. You can't make anyone miss. Boom. He's done. Eli's the equivalent of that sort of mediocre running back that can look okay when conditions are good, but you take away the good conditions and he doesn't, he makes nothing on his own. But if the Giants offensive line is good, Eli's going to be fine. And then Daniel Jones may be less polished, but not that Eli's ever been polished really, but you know, might be raw uh, and make some, it's hard to make worse decisions than Eli, but you know, just make some decisions Eli wouldn't make, but he'll be more mobile and more you know, athletic and able to do stuff. So I do think the Giants offense is an eight and eight type offense. It's the defense that's going to sink them into being one of the you know, bottom quarter of the league in terms of their record. Yeah. And also like they get behind, then you got Eli like facing a more, a, a pass rush that he, he, he does that whole happy feet thing. I remember the, right. the Atlanta game where he turned his back to the secondary, you know, cause yes. he's so that that's the thing I worry about. You yeah. Know? Eli, you know, I was talking about, it. he's like the, the victim in a horror movie that crawls into like the washing machine or something to hide and then just gets hacked up in like the, the corner rather than running. He just completely succumbs to the ax murderer. He's bad. But again, a lot of that's because he knows he can't escape when the, when the rush is there and when the line is bad and the rush has been in his face, he just, you know, anticipates getting crushed and just turtles. Whereas if he's used to like the, the line protecting him, stepping into his throws, you may see, again, I'm not going to go on a limb and say he's going to be a top 10 quarterback, but you may see a guy that's sort of like reasonably competent for much of the Right. Indeed. Uh, so one quarterback that you are lower than the crowd on, um, and I think this it's is an Drew obvious Brees. one, but it's, let's Drew go Brees. Drew Brees. It's not just lower. You are significantly lower. I, I, he's always drafted in the top 10 and you've got him at like 21, 22, 23, right? 23, 23 even. Yeah. I have Derek Carr ahead of him. Put it that way. Um, I, I just, I don't see it, man. Drew Brees had 489 attempts last year. It was 15 games. So give him 515 or 510 or whatever. But he's low on the attempts. He's one of the, you know, he does not throw a lot. 
Right. They were not a high volume offense. They were a defense and and running team mostly, and their team had success. So they're not going to change that in the last two years. Two, all the passes he did throw were dink and dunk. Now he did have 8.2 yards per attempt, thanks to uh, his ridiculously high completion percentage and Michael Thomas catching everything and Kamara catching everything, and that's not going to change. He's going to have a high completion percentage. So even though his depth of target is tiny, only Bortles, Cam Newton, and someone like Flacco or somebody had a more shallow depth of target target than breeze, but at a certain point defenses are going to be like, all right, this guy does not throw beyond, you know, 15 yards very often. So I don't see how they stretch the field. They don't stretch the field. They may do what, you know, the Patriots do and kind of spread it around and trick you and get the ball into some different people's hands. And obviously they have playmakers, but wasn't very good as last uh, five games, including the playoffs, seven TDs, five picks over that span, uh, low YPA against those teams. He's going to be 40 years old. He doesn't run at all. He does get some sneaks. He had four last year, but that's kind of an anomaly. I think maybe two you can project him for, which will give him a little boost, but no rushing yards. So I am very bearish on Breeze. All right. There you have it. Uh, And I'm persuaded by your logic on this one. Uh, I don't have him anywhere yet. Uh, Again, QB flex leagues, that's a completely different comp, but in, in a one QB league, I, I won't be p- the one reaching for him in the eighth or ninth round. I wouldn't say reaching. I should p- taking him there. That's because that's yeah. where he goes. But I'm definitely not going putting him ahead of anybody significant in that grouping. And I'm not going to be taking a quarterback in that class. Yeah, no, that's right. And and I I mean, it, I, I just I don't in a, in a QB flex I could see it. I wouldn't do it, but I could still see it because he's never going to lose his job. Right. His completion percentage and his weapons and his system kind of give him some kind of a floor where, okay, you're going to get your 24 to 28 touchdown passes and your 37 to 4,000 yards. You know, you're going to get enough that he's not going to kill you in a flex league, QB flex league. But then again, he's going to be way more expensive than Matthew Stafford and Andy Dalton, who I think are not going to be that much worse than him. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Especially, and a hey, real life, you got to distinguish between real life and fantasy too. Have to do that. Uh, I'm not sure Breeze is even that good in real life anymore. He was ooh, declining that's down a the stretch. He's forty. He's forty years old, man. I mean, it's it's you know, I know quarterbacks typically age well, but I mean, look at Peyton at forty. I mean, Breeze hasn't had the injuries that Peyton had, but Brady is still good, but he's not. Maybe he's closer to himself than Breeze is, but I don't know. I mean, Breeze had a great year overall. If you look at the per play, I mean, if you look at right. the cosmetic numbers, he looked great. But he's going toward the, and he's kind of going down that road. The NFL is going down, which is shorter and shorter throws. He just does it with such a high level of efficiency in terms of completion rate that it's masking the high YPA is masking the low depth of target. And I wonder where the defenses are going to start to dare him to throw deep now. Go ahead and beat us over top because you know, we don't think you can do it. That will be an interesting, uh, that will definitely be an interesting scenario if that happens and whether he does can and does do that, whether the receivers he has are going to be adequate enough He's to got play. Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn. I mean, he should be able to get deep, you know I mean? Right. You know, Michael Thomas is not fast. He's not the deep guy, but you, you know, I would say let's let Traquan Smith and Ted Ginn beat us and 40 year old Drew Brees, make him throw over the top of the defense, put those guys one-on-one, and really smack the hell out of Kamara and Michael Thomas when they catch the short ball. I'm sure people have tried it and obviously the saints have been really good, but their offense wasn't quite as good down the stretch. Maybe that, you know, maybe that started to happen a little bit. Right. And the same thing has been said about Brady for years, but 
team on average, most teams haven't figured out how to do that. So, you know, I think it's one of those, yeah, it should be the game plan at executing that game plan might be harder than we think is the only thing I will say about that. Yep. So that's going to conclude uh, better than most worse than most. Thank you for listening to uh, the Rotowire NFL podcast for today. Uh, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, coming up, we got Joe Bartell and Jake Latarski tomorrow. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll be back at you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.